Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? It is so good to be back together in person and yet still join with you online, this hybrid expression of gathered worship. We're pleased to be able to do this with you today. And man, I'm excited about today, not because it's the last Sunday in January, but we're wrapping up this series called Space Invaders. And we looked at this series for a number of different reasons. We started this right at the beginning of the year because a new year, new possibilities, new opportunities. We wanted to start learning with one another how we could allow the presence of Jesus to invade every space in our own lives so that it could cascade, it could overflow out of our lives into the spaces that we occupy. So we looked at age, we looked at stage, we looked at location, we looked at our own personal expression of mission. And today we're going to wrap it up by tying it all together and looking at moments. Now, when I say the word moment, what comes to mind? You, if you're here in person, feel free to yell out at me anything that comes into your mind when you, when you hear the word moment. And if you're online, you can use the, your chat of choice, YouTube or Facebook Live, to type in what comes to your mind when you hear that word. So moment, what comes to mind when you hear that word? Go ahead. Now. Time. That's it. Okay, so now in time. Everybody agrees with one of those two things. Okay, perfect. Can I share with you what comes to my mind? What comes to my mind is actually a delicacy my grandmother makes. They're called melting moments. Don't they sound good? You know what they are? They're a shortbread cookie done up with a lot of love. Now, here's what they look like. They're like two small little halves, like circles. It's almost like an Oreo, but it's shortbread. And in the middle is homemade, handmade icing. You stick it all together, you freeze it a little bit, then you pull it out a little later and you eat it sort of semi-thawed. It is amazing. My favorite memory of those moments is when I was in college, I just so happened to get a care package. It was a shoebox, size 11. I didn't know why it was size 11 because I don't wear size 11. And inside were three tiers of melting moments. It was incredible. I, I, I definitely got through that in about eight hours. It was amazing. I gorged myself. I love it. And here's the thing about moments. Your life and my life are a collection, a string of moments, one after another. Some that we're prepared for, some that we aren't prepared for, some that we would choose, some that we definitely wouldn't choose, and yet they still occur and they happen. And when the moments of our lives come together you and I have an opportunity and a possibility to respond in those moments in various ways. And that's what we're going to look at today. When moments happen, how do we choose to live? I want to talk to you specifically about this concept of radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. We're going to be looking at the first three verses from that specific chapter. If you don't have your physical Bible with you, open up your digital Bible, specifically you version. If you have that one, you can go on to the, the more section, the events section, follow along on the sermon notes that pop up when you click on the Sea Road Live opportunity there. We're going to read these first three verses, then dive in and see what they have to say to us individually and collectively about what it means to be radically hospitable in every single moment of our lives. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels 
without realizing it. Remember those in prison and as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. I want to talk about three things that this text speaks to me personally and I think will speak to us individually as well about what it means to be radically hospitable. And each verse highlights one of them for us. So let's start right at verse 1. You and I, as followers of Jesus, if that happens to be part of our identity that we claim, we are meant to be known by our love. We are meant to be known by our love. Now, if you think of all the moments of our lives. I got lots of memories of different moments in my life. Some of them are awesome to remember. Some of them are not awesome to remember. Some of them are very hard and painful for me to bring to mind and walk through once again. But in every single moment of my life, I have had the individual choice to be known for my love. In every single moment of your life, you have the choice to be known for your love. So why is it that you and I sometimes choose to be known for something else? The antithesis of love is hate. The antithesis of love is hate. That's a big fancy way of saying the opposite of love is hatred. If it's not love, then it is hatred. Yesterday in my house... I was reminded that sometimes the words that I choose to say, sarcastically humorous as they may be, aren't loving in nature. And I had to come face to face with that moment in my own life going like, oh my goodness, in this moment I did not express love. I wasn't known for my love. Think about the last 24 hours of your life. How many moments did you walk through? Did you go to a drive-thru to pick up a coffee? Did you order takeout? Did you cook in the kitchen? Did you shovel snow? I hope not. Did you go for a walk? Did you have a nap that lasted three hours? In each one of those moments, you had the opportunity to express love. Were they loving moments? Or were they the antithesis of love? See, that's the challenge for you and I when we're faced to, with the reality of this series of moments that make up our collective lives. Are we a loving people? When we see somebody that's being mistreated, what do we do? How do we respond? When somebody that we don't enjoy talking to strikes up a conversation with us, how do we respond? When our boss calls us on our day off, how do we respond? When somebody close to us tells us something very hard for us to hear, how do we respond? We are called and invited to be known by our love. And there are, quite frankly, times where we're just not known for that. And I can't help but think that maybe that's why we live in the backwards culture and world that we happen to be in right now here in 2022. I mean, we're all fed up with a number of different things. Whether that's COVID-related or non-COVID-related, something irritates us. And in the moments that irritate us, that 
that act like a burr under our saddle, so to speak. Sorry, that's Western Canadian speak. That means something that bugs you a lot. Okay? In those moments, how do we respond? When somebody writes something about you online or talks about something that you care about in a disparaging way, when you find out that people in your corner or who you thought were in your corner are gossiping about you or slandering your reputation or spreading lies, how do you respond? When you go through that drive through and they mess up your order, how do you respond? In every single moment, you and I have the possibility to be known for our love. And this is why it is so important for us to be fueled, have our own lives, all the spaces within us invaded with the presence of God. Because left to our own devices, you and I do not have the ability to love on our own. It's beyond our human capability. A human pursuit of love is always self-seeking. A Christ-like perspective of love is always self-sacrificing. We're known for our love. We want to be radically hospitable. We want to really create culture change in our city, in our region, in our country. Are we radically hospitable? By expressing love to the best of our ability through the, the gifts, the power, the courage, the confidence that is provided through the presence of Jesus in our lives in every moment. Let us be known for our love. And when we're not, we still have the possibility to redeem that moment by saying the words, I am sorry. I am sorry. It's like the Canadian way, isn't it? To be apologetic, we apologize for apologizing. But sometimes those three words create an, a possibility to build a bridge of restoration and reconciliation. It's one of the things that I've learned as a pastor. I mean, you know, I got a lot of opportunity to speak with a variety of different people about a variety of different subjects. Some of them are intense in nature. Some of them are less intense in nature. Sometimes what happens is people want to just share the pain that they've experienced, particularly their church experience. Maybe they've gone to a place or they were hurt by a group of people or some leaders or this, that, and the other. A lot of times they'll just verbally vomit on me in the nicest way possible. And they'll share with me about this residual pain that they're feeling. I wasn't present in those moments that they're describing. Most of them. Sometimes I may have played a role. But as they're sharing, and as I engage with listening, there's a powerful moment that occurs when I use those three words. I am sorry. Not owning things that I don't own, but recognizing and appreciating the moment, the courage, the confidence that they expressed in sharing with me their pain. I am sorry. Bridge building possibilities. Better than anything else that we can do. 
will listen and respond in those moments? Are we known for our love? Are we known for our love? Second thing about radical hospitality is outlined for us in verse 2 of this text where the author starts talking about this possibility that some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. What does that mean? That means that the presence of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit is active in every single moment in interaction that you and I happen to walk through. And when we are cognizant and aware of those moments, it provides for us the possibility to engage with God's presence in the moment. Maybe you've been in a conversation before and you're listening to somebody talk and sometimes these words pop into your head and you're like, I don't know why I would want to say this to this person. And you express those things and it unlocks something in that conversation that was previously restricted. Or maybe you get this thing that bubbles up inside of you, a feeling, an impression, and you're going through the motions of your day, and you're like, oh my goodness, if I would just stop by and pick up this for my neighbor and drop it off at their doorstep, I think, I think then whatever is bugging me will just kind of go away. And it just so happens to be the exact thing that they need in the moment. A recognition that they're not alone, a recognition that they matter and that they're valued by members of their community. In every moment of our lives, there exists the possibility that we can partner with what God wants to do in that moment. Let's say it like this. We can follow Jesus into the lives of people. But that comes with a willingness to be aware of his activity. Yesterday, I went on a walk on the St. Lawrence River. It was like the Canadian version of walking on water because I'm on ice but there's water underneath, huh? And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, there's a lot of activity going on underneath this ice that I'm not aware of. But movement is happening. I can't see it, but I know because I've seen it when there isn't ice that I'm now walking on. What if you and I walked through the moments in our lives with that sense of anticipation and expectation that God is moving even when we can't see it? That God is alive and God is active and God is definitely drawing wayward sons and lost daughters back to himself. That God is relentlessly pursuing people with an abundance of love. And in every moment there exists the possibility that God is doing something more than we could ever ask or imagine. Imagine if we walked through the moments of our lives with that mindset, with that heart scent, with that orientation of curiosity and discovery. Maybe asking ourselves questions like, God, what is it that you're doing in this moment? How could I be aware of what it means to work alongside of you in this moment? moment. If we want to be radically hospitable, we need to be known for, our lie, known for our love, but we also need to be fully aware that God is active and moving. He doesn't take a break. He's active and he's moving and he's working and he's lovingly drawing people to himself. And we get the possibility 
of playing a role in that just by being present in that moment. So in every moment, may we recognize that there is the distinct possibility that God is already at work. We need to just simply be aware of what he's doing. And there's a third thing about radical hospitality described in verse 3 of this same text, chapter 13. Remembering the marginalized. The author reminds us that we need to remember those that are incarcerated. Remember those that are in pain. The descriptor that I've used to kind of summarize all of that is remember the marginalized. There are people that have experienced life differently than you and I have. Their perspectives, their upbringing, the challenges that they might be going through. What we're reminded is if we're going to be a people that are radically hospitable, there is nobody beyond the reach of God's love, and there's nobody beneath our willingness to engage with. Remember uh, being in high school, and you had, like, the cool kids? And if you got the social rub by the cool kids, like, you know, you're walking the hallway, and they gave you the heads up, and you're like, boom, I'm in the social cool club now. That's the role that you and I get to play as radically hospitable individuals for all people throughout our entire world. Like we're a part of the cool kids club, the family of God. Now not everybody would agree with me and not everybody would say that. Some people would say that we are insane for wanting to be a part of the family of God. Somebody would say that we are a part of an abusive structure If we're a part of the family of God, some people might say a whole bunch of different things. But what's cool about the family of God is it's always inclusive. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done, what you are doing, what you're going to do in the future. If you want in to the club, the family of God, all you have to do is say yes to the invitation that Jesus provides and offers. And by extension, you and I, as his members of his family, as what the Bible calls his actual physical body, we get to remember the marginalized by the way we carry ourselves. So think about that the next time that you're interacting with somebody that somebody else would just overlook. We got those people in our city, in our region, even in our church where others have overlooked, have have blazed past, have forgotten. And you and I are charged with the responsibility to remember. To remember. It's been heartbreaking for me to think about in this past season how many people have have felt forgotten along the way. Because of a variety of different reasons. Maybe isolation, maybe their personal choice on political allegiances, vaccinations, whatever it was. They feel isolated and alone. Yet the calling card of the family of God is to be radically hospitable. To remember the marginalized. And what that's going to look like for you and look like for me might look slightly different. But when we put that into practice, we're engaged in the activity that I believe God has wired us and left us here on earth to complete. And that's love 
people. Love them to the best of our ability. Love. Because when we're known for our love, when we're aware that there's a distinct possibility that, that God is alive and active and working every moment, and when we remember the marginalized, I think we get a glimpse of what it means to experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Everybody's equal. There's no it's crowd or in crowd. There's just a family. And everybody matters. And everybody is loved. That's radical hospitality. Now you might be thinking like, oh, Jason, that seems like a lot for me to chew on. What do I do with all of this? I want to suggest to you two practices that I'm incorporating in my own life as, as often as possible, almost daily, but I'm not perfect. And I think that if you and I would incorporate those into our lives, increasingly so at the outset of this brand new year that's only a month in, that we would be known and grow into this idea and concept of radical hospitality, even despite the physical challenges that we face and the restrictions that we live underneath currently. Because they actually don't matter if we express radical hospitality in, in the ways that I'm going to share with you. The first thing is this. I think you and I need to learn to be present in the moment. Here's what I mean. I think Generally speaking, we've got two types of people where they gravitate. We've got those of us that love to gravitate towards the past. We study history. We learn. We love to reminisce. We love to tell stories of, of yonder year, whatever. That's not an age-specific tendency. That's just an, an, an orientation, a personality-specific tendency. We gravitate towards the past. Then there's others of us that gravitate towards the future. We like to think about what the possibilities are or what's going to happen next or where we're going to go and all these different things. I think we, generally speaking, gravitate to one of those two expressions of life. But to be the most effective as radically hospitable members of God's family, I think we need to be present in the moment. Remembering to learn from our past and live for the future, or plan for the future, but live in the moment. I think that's really hard to do. How do you tell if somebody gravitates towards one or the other? Well, sometimes when people use the phrases like, hey, remember when? That's a phrase that kind of orientates us towards what used to be. And what's really cool about our past and our history is it is there for us to learn from so we don't necessarily have to repeat all the challenging portions of it. That's why the Bible is so amazing to get involved in and saturated by because we have 100% authenticity in all of the pitfalls, the challenges that this group of people, a part of God's family, went through individually and collectively that we can learn from so that we don't have to repeat their same challenges. And it's amazing that they didn't omit any of those ups and downs. They just told it like it was, how they experienced it. I think if you and I could grow and be ever increasingly aware of how to be present in every moment, focused on living in the here and now while planning for the future and learning from our past, that would help us grow in our ability to be radically hospitable. 
The second is the one that's challenging me the most. I think we need to learn to open our minds, our hearts, and our hands. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes you and I need to course correct what we believe to be true about someone or something. Maybe we've believed a lie about who Jesus is or who that marginalized people group represents or why they happen to be in that socioeconomic situation that they find themselves in. Prejudices, racist thoughts are incubated in minds that aren't willing to learn and grow. If we have open minds and a willingness to learn, to seek to understand, that'll help us be radically hospitable in every moment. Maybe for some of us, we need to open our hearts and begin to exercise spiritual empathy. What I mean by that is maybe we have to identify with a scenario that somebody is walking through on an emotional level and be willing to engage with them, even though it hasn't happened to us. This is hard for me because I don't naturally respond emotionally first. I'm more kind of logically inclined in nature. Some of you may not agree because you may not think that I'm smart because I cheer for the Leafs, but put that aside, open your minds to be changed by the truth. They're a good hockey team. We need to be willing to open our hearts. Are we moved by things that break God's heart? When we see that somebody's mistreated, do we just, are we just numb to that? Or do we respond in the possibility that God is moving there and are willing to entertain an openness of heart to identify with somebody that might be in that space? And then it's open hands. Our plans, our traditions, our thoughts, our expressions, our purposes, our mindsets, the things that we do, our vocations, all that stuff. I think if we want to be radically hospitable, we have to be ever increasingly aware of what it means to live open-handed. The book of Proverbs says it like this, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Recognizing that we can plan and we can dream and we can live for or plan for the future as much as we want, but at the end of the day, we are not in control. The only thing that we can control is our response in the moment. And if we're living with open hands, it's much easier for us to catch and receive what God wants to do and what God wants to give to us in that moment. Really hard to catch anything when we've got fists. But open hands creates an awareness and a possibility for something to change. I think if we could do those two things with increasingly purposeful, intentional living, being present in the moment, opening our minds, our hearts, and our hands to whatever God wants to do, that's 
that's when we can be radically hospitable. That's where we can entertain what it means to be hospitable when we're not permitted or allowed to have people over in our physical household. We can still extend hospitality by dropping things off at their doorstep or having a physically distanced conversation or sending them a text message or a video call or, 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 or. The possibilities are almost limitless. We're only limited by our own constructs. But if we have open minds and hands and hearts, I think we posture ourselves in a way that Jesus desperately needs us to be postured, to be his hands and his feet, to love intentionally, to love deeply, to love purposefully, even when it's hard. Every moment of our lives is a possibility. Every single one. Don't let that weigh you down. Let that inspire you. Let that inspire you. Every single moment is a possibility for us to know God deeply and to make him known by how we choose to live. For known for our love, we have an awareness of the possibility of God's presence. And if we remember the marginalized. So I'm going to invite you to respond today in this moment. One of the ways the family of God has responded historically is through worship of song. We don't sing to ourselves. We don't sing to each other. We sing to our king. We sing to the head of our family, the head of our table. We sing to our risen King Jesus. So as we have the opportunity to respond and worship, I want to invite you to do just that. Let's practice this together. Let's take full advantage of the possibility that God might want to meet us in this moment. And with open minds and hearts and hands, see what could be possible. Would you join me as I pray? Father, we thank you ever so much for your presence and for who you are. I thank you that you never give up on us. I thank you that your love is relentless and your love is kind and your love is pure and your love is whole. Father, as we be end this first month of a brand new year, and we look forward to another month that's filled and chocked full of moments and possibilities. We want to be known for our radical hospitality, which is, a, which is an extension of how we love, an extension of our awareness of how you move and how you're working, and an extension of the practice of remembering the marginalized. So Jesus, in these next moments as we worship you, I pray that you would open minds You'd open hearts and you'd open hands with a sense of wonder and curiosity, courage and confidence because of who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen.